excellent reception. Attention, please. Attention, all passengers for the Boeing 727 of Cruzeiro from Rio de Janeiro to Sao Paulo, Porto Alegre, and Buenos Aires. Please follow on to gate number three and have a good trip. Hello. I'm your host, Little Dave, and welcome to another episode of Excellent Reception, the podcast where we talk about timeless music and tell the stories behind the songs to help you better understand why they are so amazing. Before we get started, make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else podcasts are available. Please take the time to leave a review. These help to push up our rankings in the podcast charts so more people can discover excellent reception. Also, check out our website, www.excellentreception.com, for more information about the artists and the songs we have featured in the podcast. On the next few episodes of Excellent Reception, we are on a world tour. We are traveling the globe through music and talking about some of the most mind-blowing international sounds. Our adventures will find us uncovering some groundbreaking songs from the past, as well as discovering modern-day artists from different parts of the globe who are pushing the limits of music further. This time, we are traveling to Brazil. This is the Excellent Reception Podcast. There is something about Brazilian music that makes it so distinctive from everything else. When you hear it, you know what it is and where it's from. It takes just a quick strum of a guitar or a few taps on a drum, and suddenly your mind starts dreaming up pleasant images of Sugarloaf Mountain or the warm beaches of Rio de Janeiro. The interesting thing about the music of Brazil is that even though there are some unifying elements, Brazilian music is not homogenous. Samba and bossa nova may be the most well-known, but this country is home to a huge variety of musical genres, like sertanejo, musica navatista, tropicalia, coro, brega, modinha, and more. Each region has its own unique styles of folk music, which are further shaped by the cultural influences passed down from this country's Portuguese colonizers, the African diaspora, and the indigenous community. These sounds are further impacted by the import of foreign musical creations like rock and roll, hip-hop, jazz, classical, and even things as obscure as Miami bass and trip-hop. When putting this episode together, it was extremely difficult to figure out what to focus on. I could talk about the wildly entertaining sounds of Baie Funk or dig deep into the history of Bossa Nova. I settled on talking about a group of artists who got their start during the late 60s and early 70s and made huge contributions to the ever-evolving sound of Brazilian music. These are some of my absolute favorite songs, and I hope they will spark an interest in you to dig deeper into these artist catalogs. On this episode, we're talking about the music of Elza Suarez, Gal Costa, Milton Nascimento, Arthur Verakai, and Azimuth. Excellent reception. Brazilian music 
has permeated the global music consciousness through a series of very catchy and highly popular songs that over the years have grown into musical standards. One of the most well-known of these standards is a humble little samba tune known as Mas Que Nada. Mas Que Nada was originally written by Jorge Ben-Jor in 1963 for his debut album. But it became an international crossover hit when Sergio Mendes covered it for the debut album from his band Brazil 66. Mendes adopted Mas Que Nada as his signature song, and his version went on to be considered the definitive version. Due to its popularity, Mas Que Nada has been covered hundreds of times. Personally, my absolute favorite version comes from a singer hailing from Rio de Janeiro by the name of Elza Suarez. Instead of going for a sweet bossa nova sound, she sings over a swinging jazz arrangement that is filled with samba-style rhythmic elements. Her voice is flawless. Each note hits with the perfect amount of care, and she rides the rhythm with ease. The raw energy that can be heard in her voice is powerful enough to make the song seem like less of a simple samba record and more of a rallying cry. There's a reason that there's so much passion in her performance. She struggled her whole life to make it out of the poverty found in the favelas of Rio. Elsa grew up poor and was forced to marry into an abusive relationship at the age of 12. By the age of 21, she would become a widow and have to raise five children all by herself. Desperate to get money for one of her children who was ill, she would make an appearance on a talent show called Coloros M Desfile, which was presented by the biggest radio station in Brazil. Her performance blew the judges away, and it set the stage for an over 60-year-long career. Elza went on to become a samba icon and recorded over 50 albums. And she released a new album called Al Mujer do Fin do Mundo, The Woman at the End of the World, in 2016. Elza's debut album, Se Caso Você Chegazi, is the one that started it all. On it, you will find her version of Mas Que Nada. As you listen to it, it should be easy to hear all the hunger she had for success and the empowerment she felt from singing. So let's listen to it now. Elza Suarez with Mas Que Nada.
During the late 1960s, Brazil experienced a cultural shift in the form of the Tropicalia movement, which had an effect on art, film, theater, music, and poetry. The traditional aspects of Brazilian culture were merged with the forward thinking and the avant-garde. The musical side of Tropicalia was largely defined by the combining of rock and roll with Brazilian and African rhythms. One of the major voices behind the Tropicalia sound was singer Gal Costa. Her contribution to the movement is undeniable. She can be heard singing on most of the major Tropicalia albums of the late 60s. Most importantly, she created four songs on the seminal album Tropicalia o Penis et Sinesis, which is considered to be the manifesto of Tropicalismo. This album features collaborations between legendary artists Gilberto Gil, Quintano Veloso, Tom Zay, Os Mutantes, and Gal Costa. Being a figurehead in the movement made Gal a huge star and sent her around the world. Her own releases explored deeper, more psychedelic territory, all while drawing from traditional Brazilian folk music and bossa nova. The majority of her work was written in collaboration with two of her biggest co-conspirators, Quintano Veloso and Gilberto Gill. Gal found herself drawn mainly to lyrics that challenged heterosexual norms, played with gender, and embraced the feminine identity. She also has a strong affection towards classic songs from the Brazilian catalog and ended up building a reputation for her ability to reinterpret and breathe new life into already iconic songs. One of my favorite Gal Costa songs can be found on her fourth studio album, India. You probably have seen the infamous album cover for India, a scantily clad photo focused on the bottom section of Gal's red bikini. An image that at the time was censored by Brazil's military government. The album is largely down-tempo and experimental, with a heavy focus on tradition. As you make your way to the latter half of the album, you suddenly get hit with a bright moment of sunshine and good vibes on the song Pantos de Luz, which translates to points of light. The very simple lyrics, Mi siento complimente contente. And me siento complimente feliz basically translates to I feel completely content and I feel completely happy. From the tone of her voice, I detect a hint of sarcasm. I'm sure the second you hear Pantos de Luz, you will recognize it from producer Catronada's hit song, Light Spots, where he samples a large chunk of the song. So let's take a second now to listen to Pantos de Luz by Gail Costa. Me sinto contente. Me sinto muito contente. 
In a mountainous region of Brazil lies the city of Belo Horizonte, which is the birthplace of another major movement in Brazilian music called Clube de Esquina. Clube de Esquina, which translates to Corner Club, was developed by a collective of musicians who pulled inspiration from rock and roll, bossa nova, and jazz, as well as Brazilian folk and classical music. These musicians literally lived around the corner from each other, and they would meet up often to play music. The most well-known of this collective is the legendary singer, songwriter, and guitarist, Milton Nascimento. As you probably know, Nascimento would go on to have international fame and play an important role as an ambassador for Brazilian culture around the world. As the story goes, a young Milton Nascimento moved to Belo Horizonte and happened to live in the same building as the Borges brothers, Lo and Marcio Borges. Milton and Marcio started creating music together. Marcio, a talented lyricist, would write the words, and Milton would compose the instrumentation. Their working relationship would lead to the creation of a double album called Clube de Esquina, which would lay the groundwork of the Clube de Esquina sound and become the namesake for the movement. The album is considered to be both Milton Nascimento's and Lo Borges' project. But it is something bigger than that. It is a collective effort of all of the musicians, songwriters, vocalists, and other creative individuals who collaborated on this work. This album is a journey. It takes you through a hodgepodge of sounds, styles, and emotions. 
Contextually, it's reflective of the environment it was born in. Instead of feeling like the carefree sambas of Rio, it is more reflective of the lonely and expansive mountainous landscapes of the Minas Gerais region of Brazil. When Clube de Esquina was first released, the critics didn't know how to process it. But they changed their tune once it won over the hearts of music lovers worldwide. One of the most important songs off of Clube de Esquina is the anthematic opening track, Todo o que você podia ser. The strumming of Milton's guitar on the intro pulls you in with its hypnotic melodies. As he begins to sing, Milton's moving performance helps to make his poetic lyrics speak to your soul, even if you don't speak a word of Portuguese. Let's listen to Milton Nascimento's song, Todo o que você podia ser. Every great artist gets the chance to sit in the spotlight. Behind every superstar, there is a group of insanely talented individuals who are masters of their craft and humbly make a living doing what they love. These musicians, background singers, engineers, songwriters, etc., all contribute their massive talents 
to legendary works of art. But in most cases, their fame is limited to a small footnote on the back of a record cover. In some cases, hardcore musical enthusiasts will piece together all the legacies of these contributors and finally bring their true genius into the limelight. In the case of Brazilian composer and arranger Arthur Verakai, it was only a matter of time before people around the world would fully appreciate what he has to offer. These days, Arthur Verakai is best known for his monumental 1972 self-titled debut album. By the time he was asked to record this project, he already had a sizable collection of accomplishments on his resume. As a composer and arranger, he created scores for orchestras, wrote soundtracks for television shows, and helped develop songs for other musicians. Most notably, Verakai worked on Ivan Lin's debut album, Agora, and Georgia Benjor's excellent album, Negro Alindo. But it was his work as in-house arranger for a small label called Continental Records that set the stage for him to express himself on record. In 1972, Continental Records released Arthur's self-titled album. Verakai used this opportunity to explore the limits of his musicality and fully embrace his affection for instrumentation. He had access to some of the best musicians in Brazil to help realize his vision, including members of Milton Nascimento's band and players from Banda Black Rio. But the piece de resistance was his 20-piece string section, 12 violins, four violas, and four cellos, which helped to add a seductive smoothness and a high level of class to each composition. It seems like Arthur Verakai set out to create something truly ambitious, but his expert attention to detail and well-crafted arrangements make this feat seem almost effortless. This album attempts to overtake you with these mammoth waves of intricate textures, but everything is simultaneously balanced out with delicate harmonies. Unfortunately, most Brazilians didn't latch on to this album when it first appeared, and Arthur Verakai had yet to become a household name. It took future generations to fully appreciate the music he had given the world. Through the power of hip-hop, Arthur Verakai's work was rediscovered and repackaged for new ears. His debut has gone on to be sampled by MF Doom, Mad Lib, Dr. Hudat, Ludacris, Little Brother, Schoolboy Q, and many more. In 2009, Arthur Verakai would go on to treat his fans to the first and only performance of his album in full during the 2009 Timeless Concert Series in Los Angeles. Let's take a listen to one of the most well-known songs off of this album. Here is Arthur Verakai with Noboca do Sol. Yeah. 
cidade do interior Perto da manhã na volta do sol Pra quem mora lá o céu é lá Na minha cidade do Brazilian trio known as Azimuth has used their explosive musical style to almost literally bend space and time in order to reach the limits of where their unique sound can go. Their electrifying style is a free-flowing cornucopia of mellow soul, funky grooves, and jazz fusion mixed with a Brazilian flair that they have dubbed Samba Doido, which translates to Crazy Samba. Their high level of improvisational aptitude and raw musical ability make their songs extremely compelling to listen to. The members of Azimuth, Ivan Kanti Mamao on the drums, Alex Maleros on the bass, and Jose Roberto Bertrami on keyboards, joined forces in the early 70s. They originally performed as a cover band under the name Grupo Celesal, but their aspirations were much bigger than just playing the hits. All three had careers playing in other bands and as session musicians in Brazil's bossa nova and jazz scene. They united with the goal of experimenting with sound and pushing their instruments as far as they can go. They lived together in the same Copacabana apartment building during a time period where that area was at the height of its creative revolution. Each member of the group brought something special to the table. The keyboardist, Jose Roberto Bertrami, already had a history as an amazing pianist and arranger, but he also brought many unique sounding keyboards along with him. While working as a touring musician, he was known to buy any synthesizer he could get his hands on, including many that weren't available in Brazil yet. The drummer, Ivan Conti Mamao, would try unconventional things with the rhythmic elements of the music. While samba was normally written in 2-4 time, Mamau would attempt 3-4 or 5-4 time without losing a step. The final touch was Alex Malero's signature slap bass, which always helped to give even the smoothest Azimuth song a bit of undeniable funkiness. Azimuth made their official recording debut on the soundtrack for the film O Fabuloso Fetipaldi, a documentary about race car driver Emerson Fetipaldi. On the soundtrack, they played the role of backing band under the name Conjunto Azimuth for famed singer-songwriter Marcos Valle. Their name Azimuth was actually based on the title of one of the songs that appeared on the soundtrack. In 1975, the band released their self-titled debut album, which kicked off a revolution in Brazilian-style jazz fusion. After joining one of the biggest jazz labels of its time, Milestone Records, Azimuth would go on to become one of the best-selling jazz artists of the 80s. Throughout the years, they have constantly made innovative new music, toured the world, and worked on projects with other artists, such as hip-hop producer Madlib and Alex Malero's super-talented daughter, Sabrina Maleros. They have kept their cult following satisfied by releasing a new album pretty much every two or three years, all the way up to their most recent release, their 2016 album, Phoenix. 
Let's listen to something older from Azimuth. Here is Mel's Dos Dias Bacudo from their debut album. Reception Podcast. Thank you once again for tuning into Excellent Reception. If you love what we're doing here, please spread the word to other music lovers you know. Make sure you check us out at excellentreception.com. And if you haven't done it yet, please subscribe to the podcast so you can become the first to hear new episodes. Also, you can listen to my broadcast radio show, Eavesdrop Radio, in Philadelphia, every Friday from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. on WKDU 91.7 FM or streaming live online at WKDU.org. So until next time, this is your host, Little Dave, signing off for excellent reception. Well, we're coming in loud and clear with the sounds you need to hear. This is the Excellent Reception Podcast. Podcast.